From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. Big stories on very different fronts this week. We start in Afghanistan, where after the deadly attack at the airport in Kabul, there are just two days left before the August 31st deadline the U.S. set to withdraw. Closer to home, the Texas House passed a voting bill late Thursday. That bill was the reason for the Democrats' six-week-long quorum break. This week, Julie Fine and Brian Curtis talked to Republican Congressman Van Taylor of Plano and Democratic State Representative Carl Sherman of DeSoto. Plus, we'll hear Julie's full conversation with Texas Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan. Gromer Jeffers is on assignment this week. Before we dive in, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the Lone Star Politics Podcast. It helps us grow the show and helps others find it. The deadline the U.S. set to withdraw troops from Afghanistan is Tuesday, but after the deadly attack at the airport in Kabul, President Joe Biden vowed to hunt down the people who carried out the attack. ISIS has claimed responsibility. Meanwhile, in Washington, Congress is back in session, where the House will soon vote on an infrastructure bill already passed by the Senate. Van Taylor is a Republican who represents Texas's 3rd Congressional District, which covers almost all of Collin County. He's also a veteran of the war in Iraq. Here he is with Julian Bryan. Thank you so much for being here, Congressman. Good to be with you guys. First of all, your reaction to the events for the past couple of days. Yeah, it's uh, really tragic what's happened there. Uh, you know, President Biden made a unilateral decision uh, to uh, leave Afghanistan, uh, and uh, he has done it in a really terrible way, uh, and we're seeing the consequences of that. And uh, I will say that you know, Republicans and Democrats uh, have come together in the U.S. House. I actually led a press conference last week uh, with Republican and Democrat members of the House, all veterans, uh, as, in, as the Four Country Caucus, uh, calling on the president to stay as long as it takes to make sure that we get every single American and all of our allies safely out of Afghanistan. Um, and unfortunately, President Biden is, is not doing that. Uh, he is planning for failure. He is planning to leave before we get everybody out. Okay, now the president, like, he is sticking with his Tuesday deadline for withdrawal, although he has asked for contingency plans if that's not possible. Do you think that deadline is feasible? I Look, every indication uh, is uh, from the administration itself that that, that is planning for failure. There, there is a, the, the plan, there's not enough time. Um, and just like they screwed up the withdrawal uh, prior to the fall of Kabul, they're screwing up the extraction of Americans and our allies uh, from, from Afghanistan. And this is something that we are gonna live with the consequences of this uh, for many, many years. Uh, we have allies uh, who uh, participated, who, who, who served shoulder to shoulder with us in Afghanistan uh, when we invoked uh, the NATO Article 5 uh, protocol and said, look, we've been attacked on September 11th. Uh, 2001, we want our allies to help join us uh, to remove the Taliban government so that we can prevent terrorists from having training camps uh, in Afghanistan. And our allies stepped up. They served with us shoulder to shoulder. They, they fought with us. They bled with us uh, for decades. And without consulting with them, we just decided one day we're leaving. We don't want to be here anymore. And, you know, and they're left, you know, they're left holding the bag as well as other Americans. Uh, who are going to be left holding the bag? Well, th well, they're they're turned into hostages uh, in Afghanistan. We are we. This is bad, and due to failed leadership, it's getting worse. Congressman, we, we could talk about Afghanistan, I think, for the entire show, but I, I want to shift now to the rising number of of COVID cases in Texas. You 
Represent Plano. Plano ISD just passed a temporary mask mandate with a lot of exceptions. Uh, do you agree with what they did? Well, let, let me just step back and make this important point. Uh, the, the Delta variant is much more, um, much more infectious than the previous variants. Uh, the good news is there is a vaccine. Uh, this is uh, one of the first times in history where you have a vaccine in the middle of a, a pandemic very rapidly. And the, President Trump deserves a lot of credit for his Operation Warp Speed. Uh, I've been vaccinated. I encourage other people to be vaccinated. That is the single best way we know uh, to prevent getting infected again uh, or to be infected at all. Um, and I will say that I was speaking to the CEO of a major uh, hospital organization here in DFW last week, and he said, look, 99% of the patients that are coming to be hospitalized with COVID are unvaccinated. Uh, so I think vaccinations are the, the number, way, number one way uh, to protect yourself. Um, as far as what Plano ISD did, I think that this should be a personal choice. Uh, I, I, I don't agree with what they did. Congressman, what should schools then do if they're having rising cases and you don't think that there should be mandates, there should be personal choice? What do you think that schools should do? Well, I, th I think a lot of schools have done this. Uh, they've they've, they've uh, improved access to uh, uh, online learning. Uh, and in some cases, you know, when there are enough infections, they actually just, you know, hey, we're, we're just all going home for a couple of weeks until the cases come back down. Uh, I, and I understand the concern that people have, uh, but ultimately the decision to vaccinate is a personal choice. I think the decision to wear a mask is a personal choice. Let's talk about the, uh, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Uh, all the Democrats voted for it, Republicans against. Why do you think that is not necessary? Well, I, I, let me just say that, you know, last week in Congress, there was an opportunity uh, for Republicans and Democrats to come together and to, you know, save American lives by instructing the president to, to pull people out of Afghanistan. Uh, but sadly, Nancy Pelosi didn't choose to do that. Uh, she chose to uh, twist arms and get people to vote for trillions of dollars of new spending that will uh, hurt the country with uh, greater inflation. Uh, you know, and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, I mean, it, it gets rid of voter ID. Uh, I think most most people I know support voter ID. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a mistake to make our elections less secure. You want to make them more secure. You want to make it easy for people to vote. And you want to make it very difficult for people to cheat because you want people to have confidence in your elections. Um, federalizing uh, our elections laws is a mistake. And getting rid of voter ID is a mistake. Uh, and most Americans actually think at this point that voter ID is, works and is effective and should be in place. Congressman, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Good to be with you, Julie. In Austin, the GOP-backed elections bill that Democrats fought for weeks to keep from a vote passed the legislature's lower chamber late Thursday after enough Democrats returned to restore a quorum. Now it heads to the state Senate. Democrats say the bill will suppress the vote in Texas, Republicans say the added ID requirements, limits on mail voting and drop boxes, and new controls over local elections officials are meant to protect against fraud and restore confidence in the system. Carl Sherman is a Democrat who represents the state's 109th House District that includes parts of several cities in southern Dallas County. Here's the representative with Julian Bryant. Thank you so much for being with us, Representative. Thank you, Julie, for having me on. Some of your fellow Democrats are back in Austin, but at this point you haven't gone back. The House did pass an elections bill. Do you think it's the right decision to stay out even after quorum was established? You know, look, our, our democracy is at stake, and it's important, I think, to understand uh, that the key point to remember is that these new anti-voter bills 
are not new at all. And it's important, as Speaker Dave Phelan mentioned, that we have uniform uh, voting election laws. And he talked about the 254 uh, counties in our state. Uh, it's also important that we have uniform voting laws in the nation. That's why we're here fighting uh, for uh, our constituents. Our constitutional uh, obligation requires that I have to defend and protect the right of our citizens in the state of Texas. And it means sometimes coming to the citadel of our democracy uh, to implore upon Congress to pass sweeping legislation that will protect voters' rights. You are there in D.C. lobbying. You've been doing that. Uh, the House passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and now headed to the Senate. You've been talking to Senate Democrats. Realistically, does this have any chance of passing and becoming law? Well, you know, I, I am a man of faith and just believe that uh, it is possible that uh, the LBJ spirit will resurrect here. Uh, he was a Texas Democrat who passed sweeping legislation in 1965, uh, the original Voters' Rights Act. And I believe the John Robert Lewis Act will pass uh, because our democracy is at stake. That's not a Texas bill, by the way. And I knew that it wasn't a Texas bill when 400 other pieces of legislation have uh, been passed, some just laid out and considered in other states, that will erode uh, the rights of citizens to vote and participate in our democracy. So it's important, and I think it is possible, uh, that this legislation will pass because many understand that our democracy is at stake at this time. Turning now to COVID, the battle over mask mandates has ended up in the courts. Where do you want to see mask and masks and mandates go from here? This is a very uh, unfolding or undeveloping story uh, right now. I would say developing story right now. It's public health. It's a crisis. And with the new variant, Delta variant, uh, I think it's, it's important uh, that we allow those in the local communities, uh, the local school districts, uh, to implement public safety uh, precautions and follow CDC requir requirements uh, to keep the students safe. We know this new variant uh, is extremely contagious and so and, and transmissible, so we need to do everything possible uh, to ensure that it stays out of the hands of politicians and it's in the hands of scientists and doctors to keep us safe. We're watching these two bills in the legislature that have gone to committee. One would allow mask mandates in schools. One would prohibit them. What should move forward here? Well, I think, you know, anytime you're talking about uh, our children, uh, we need to understand that parents should have the right to keep their children protected. So uh, looking at the new variants being much more infectious, I think that uh, we need to side on the area of caution just as we've always done as a nation. Uh, we did it in the 1800s with uh, uh, POPs, and we've done it also uh, with polio in the 50s. And that's the only way we can eradicate these kinds of contagious variants. Before we let you go, Representative, this is not the last special session. There will be one for redistricting as well. After everything that's happened between Republicans and Democrats this summer, can you all work together? Well, it's important to understand that Texas has a long history of discriminating when it comes to our elections laws, as well as gerrymandering of districts. And that's why it's important 
that Congress pass uh, the John Lewis Act as well as For the People Act, and that will ensure uh, that the Department of Justice will be able to require preclearance on these things like redistricting, because representatives should not choose uh, their voters, but voters should choose who they want to represent them. And it's time out for gerrymandering when you have a state of 30 million people uh, in which the demographics are similar to California, uh, but because of manipulation in our uh, district lines, uh, we are essentially rigging and redlining our democracy. Representative, one last quick question. Are you planning to return for the redistricting session? I'm committed to continuing to fight for our constituents, for my constituents, who want me to do whatever it takes to ensure uh, that we have a fair redistricting process. And so I'm not sure where that's going to place me, uh, but I know that I want to be in the fight and continue to fight for their rights. Uh, when you look at historically what's happened in the House, uh, when I saw all of law enforcement from North Texas to South Texas, from East Texas, West Texas, from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley, begging our House not to pass permitless carry, and yet still we passed it unanimously, unfortunately, uh, from my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, even though police officers said it would make their job harder, I knew then we would have to go beyond just trying to debate inside the House that is prejudicial about certain positions. And uh, I hope that Congress will aid in ensuring uh, that Article 5 and uh, Article 2 are amended in the Voters' Rights Act. Representative Carl Sherman, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much for joining us. We stay in the state capitol to continue on the voting bill. In a conversation recorded before the bill passed Thursday, Julie talked to Speaker of the House Dade Phelan, a Republican from Beaumont. First of all, Speaker, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Moving forward, can both sides work together? Absolutely. I, you know, this body heals itself. It does take time, especially when you have issues with such different opinions and varying various perspectives, very contentious issues. Um, it, you know, it exposes those those policy differences that the members have, and that's fine. That's very, very natural. And, you know, the quorum breaks, this happened in 2003. It took time to heal, but it eventually occurred. And uh, members, members come from very different perspectives, 150 members on the House floor, and they, they each are here to represent their districts. And sometimes we may not agree with one another, but eventually we'll get on the House floor and have robust debate that's very respectful and impactful and we will move on down the road and that's what's going to happen uh, in the coming weeks is there room for compromise on an election bill well i really really am impressed and and uh, grateful for the leadership that, uh, that chairman andy murray has shown um, with this bill over the last uh, several weeks months and he's been willing to work with anyone who, who will show up here in the capitol uh, to discuss the bill and and he even said at the, at the end of this last se uh, special session, the, the first special session we had, you know, he's willing to, to make uh, changes to the bill. Um, he said that in committee. And frankly, the bill we, that, that left committee last night, uh, there will be amendments, uh, I would assume, on the House floor. 
Um, and some of them, you know, I think will be will be voted on by, by both uh, members of both parties. Uh, some of them have already been included in the Senate version. So for the House version to become more similar to the Senate version, some of these amendments will um, will be added. Um, and of course, that's Mr. Murr's, uh, you know, that's his it's his bill. I'm not I'm not going to tell him how to <laughs> change or alter his bill, but. Those are discussions that are happening right now, um, and they they were they happened at the end of the regular session, and they happened in the first special session, and now they're happening here in the second special session. But um, but to even discuss uh, changes to any piece of legislation, you got to be at the Capitol here in Austin. Uh, I think that the perspective was there's no point in debating a bill uh, uh, on any uh, subject matter when someone's 1,700 miles away. Um, come to the Capitol. Uh, where your job is and discuss legislation. So do you think there's room for compromise? Uh, you know, what co compromise means to to uh, people who don't like the bill, I just don't know what that means to them. Um, you know, can they come and, and make changes to make the bill, you know, something that, this, that they're less, you know, opposed to? I don't know. I just don't see, I don't see many members uh, who broke horn voting for the bill. So, uh, they just don't want it to pass regardless. Uh, they, they're just fine with, with what went on, you know, the last election cycle where certain counties were creating an election law out of thin air and doing what they wanted to do. And that's what this bill is about is just having universal election code across all 254 counties. And many, many of my colleagues are still in DC. They want the federal government to pass a bill that applies to all 50 states. They want a uniform election code across all 50 states, but they won't come back here and talk about a uniform election code across all 254 counties. So it's really, it's, it's difficult to compromise uh, and make all 149 members happy on the House floor, especially when you're advocating for something in DC that you won't even come back here and advocate. So let's turn to public education here. Two bills went to the Public Education Committee, one, against mandates for masks in schools, one for mandates for masks for schools. I mean, you're seeing the cases go up. Do you think there should be some type of mandate for schools? I think that's, you know, that's an excellent question. And it's something that will be debated in the public education committee, I assume. I've not seen a, a, a hearing for that yet. I do think that if you wanna wear a mask, you should wear a mask. If that's what makes you comfortable, you should do that. Uh, if you wanna send your child to school in a mask, you, you're welcome to do that. Uh, I've got four boys and interestingly enough, a mask are optional and two of my sons want to wear a mask and two of them don't want to wear a mask. And so that was, that's their, that's their decision. And, and as, a, as a decision as a parent to, to um, whether they want to require their child to do that or not, I can tell you that I'm very, uh, I'm relieved and hopeful now that we have an FDA mandated uh, vaccine uh, here in the United States as of yesterday. I think that's going to go a long way and, and make it feel, people feel comfortable who are not vaccinated to go get vaccinated because it does work. I've been, I've been fully vaccinated and, and I've not tested positive. I test every day. And so I do hope this new FDA approval uh, goes a long way in improving our vaccination rate here in Texas. Is there a push to get the Senate passed a bill for virtual schools for up to 10% of a district's population? Do you feel that should be pushed in the House? It, it, it is on the call. There's been bills filed. I do expect to have some type of virtual learning bill on the House floor. Absolutely. What it looks like, you know, we'll see. Uh, that's what the, the debate's all about, and that's what the uh, committee process is for. But I've heard from enough members that there should be a virtual option, and I, I feel like there will be a bill uh, sent to the governor's office on that.
You know, in the last couple of weeks, you've had to deal with pressure from both sides of the aisle to negotiate, to arrest. What's it been like trying to keep this all together? It, <laughs> and thank you for that question. It is not uh, what I expected uh, back in January. Of course, we came into this uh, session with the global pandemic. Then we had a winter storm. We had a budget deficit. And now the budget is just fine. We had double-digit unemployment. Now the economy is back up and running again. Then we had, of course, the, uh, this quorum break issue all summer. And now we have redistricting uh, coming up in, a, in, in just a few weeks. So it has been difficult. Uh, you know, I, I truly commend my staff uh, for working with me through, through these very tough times and those members who, who wanted to protect the sanctity of the house. And many of them came back to make quorum to make certain that that we could we could work together moving forward and that this this issue needed to stop this quorum break needed to end and so you know I, i'm really grateful for all my republican colleagues who, who sat on the house floor for the last six weeks and i'm grateful for the members who returned to get us back you know on track and the, the business of the people of texas and i asked those colleagues who are still in dc who, who don't want to come back i asked them to come back and fulfill their constitutional duty and represent their districts. Uh, come vote for or against the bills. I don't expect everyone to vote for every bill, but I do expect people to come up and, and fight for their districts. But it, it has been difficult, but we're getting through it uh, one day at a time. You know, just quickly returning to schools, because, you know, we, I, you know, we, I, we keep getting messages, you know, parents are concerned. Should there be personal choice in a school if a child should wear a mask? Sure. If, if your child wants to wear a mask, absolutely. If, if they want to wear two masks, let them, you know, whatever makes them feel comfortable uh, with, with, with COVID. And that, that should be the, that should be the parent's decision and the child's decision. Uh, but, you know, with regards to, again, now the vaccination is, is approved down to 12 years old. Uh, that's the parent's choice, whether or not to uh, vaccinate their children and their high school children and, and I think that's important. And then now there's an FDA approved option. I do think we're going to see a, a, a great improvement, a drastic improvement in our vaccination rate. And we just, we know it works. I mean, the data just shows that it works. And the vast majority of those who are, uh, are having difficulty right now are, are those who have not been vaccinated. Thanks to Congressman Van Taylor, State Representative Carl Sherman, and Speaker Dade Phelan for joining the show this week. You can stay up to date with everything Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.